In February 2004, Maura Murray emptied her bank account, drove four hours from school, crashed her car, got out, and vanished. Everyone has a theory. Was she murdered? Was it suicide? Did she run away? Join the search as an investigative reporter and former U.S. Marshal uncover new evidence, interrogate new witnesses, and trace down new leads in this riveting new investigative series. The Disappearance of Maura Murray, Saturdays at 7, 6 Central, and 9, 8 Central on Oxygen, the new network for crime. Previously on The Disappearance of Maura Murray. Have you met her, you'd love her. Ah, she's the sweetest kid. 13 years ago, Maura Murray left her dorm at the University of Massachusetts and drove to New Hampshire, far from school and far from home. She crashed her car and then vanished. I'm investigating the theories of what might have happened to Mora. And the deeper I dig, the more mysterious her case gets. Understand that as you're talking to people, they all have reason to lie to you. People like writer James Renner have rumored that her family has been hiding secrets. I've spoken with the family. But so far, nothing sticks. You know, I just wish people would realize that this is very, very painful for all of us. There's also an hour of Maura's drive that night that's unaccounted for. If she was alone, if she was with somebody, I think it's just very key. Did Maura meet up with someone? A bus driver says she refused his help. Is he telling the whole story? Roughly seven minutes after he left, she vanished. Or is Mora alive, as some people suggest? And if she is, where was she running? And why? This case, it weighs on you. You will become obsessed with this case. If you haven't already, you will. James Renner interviewed tons of people for his book about Mora, including police and Mora's friends. He also created an open source forum, encouraging web sleuths to weigh in on what they think happened to Mora and to provide any leads. But some think he allowed people to spin wild theories and false leads that muddied the investigation. The family didn't trust him and shut him out early on. Can you lay out for me what your theory is that happened? What happened to Maura Murray after that accident in Haverhill? There's only a, a few possibilities. The police brought police dogs to track her scent, and they tracked her scent from the car into the middle of the road, where she would have gotten into a, a vehicle. I believe there's two possibilities after that point. One, she got into a vehicle of a stranger. Or two, somebody that she knew picked her up. Well, a stranger had already offered her a ride. That stranger is bus driver Butch Atwood, who lived down the road from where Mora crashed. Butch Atwood came by in his school bus and said, can I give you a ride? I, I live right here. I just 
asked her how she was. She said she was shaken up. I couldn't see any blood on her face. I says, uh, okay, I'm going to go call the police. She said, no, 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 I called AAA. He knew that was a lie because you can't get cell phone service up there. Also, take into account that you've got Faith Westman watching the scene across the street. You've got John Merritt watching. You've got the Atwoods watching. Faith and Tim Westman, John and Virginia Merritt, Butch and Barbara Atwood. These are the neighbors who live immediately around the crash site. They watch from their windows. So I picture three different lighthouses, these three witnesses that are watching the scene, and you've got this beam of light that passes over the, the accident scene. Nobody's watching the whole time, but people are looking back and forth. So that only gives more very small windows in which to disappear. Like we're talking 15 to 20 seconds. What's more probable? That she got into uh, a car of a stranger? Well, if it was a stranger, they'd have to come up and there'd be a conversation. Hey, what happened? Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Would you like a ride? Yes, let me get some things, yada, yada, yada. Someone would have seen that. Somebody would have seen that. So what you're left with is the likelihood that the person that picked her up was somebody she knew. Well, if somebody she knew came by to pick her up, that interaction could be very quick. They could come up, she could hop in, they could be on their way. But what was she doing in the White Mountains to begin with? And that's what I'm hoping we can do here is find out exactly why she went up there. Yes, she had packed her room Everything was in boxes. On top of the boxes was an email from Bill, her boyfriend, in which he's talking about how he cheated on her. That's a message. So long, here's why I'm leaving. I think I've come to the answer. She was running away. Maura and Bill met at West Point. She started her college years there before transferring to UMass to study nursing. After she disappeared, Bill told the press that he and Maura had a great relationship and planned to get married. But James Renner says there's more to the story. Did they have a good relationship? Their relationship was poisonous. Supposedly everybody that was close to Maura was trying to pull her away from Bill because they knew he was bad news. Her friends back home, her close friends at UMass, didn't like Bill because of the way he treated her. My interview with Maura's sister, Julie, backs this up. Wasn't my favorite person. I don't like the fact that it's possible he was cheating on Mara. I was like, like, I think you need to move on. She's my little sister. I'm going to protect her. As Renner researched his book, he uncovered explosive allegations in Bill's recent history. Bill left his job back in 2011, I believe it was, because of allegations that he sexually assaulted a woman there after hours. I was told the story from four different women who worked with him. They told me a number of different stories about Bill that led me to believe that Mora had reason to want to get away. I've spoken to Bill and he says that he is aware of this allegation, that he left that job. Renner alleges in his book that Bill was not only a womanizer, but that he could also be controlling. He believes this led Mora to drive to New Hampshire on a chilly February night in 2004. Was she going to meet somebody? 
That to me is a big question. Actually, I believe she traveled in tandem up to Haverhill that day. So who do you think was the tandem driver? Do you have theories? A woman who worked at Butson's grocery store in Haverhill believes she rang up Mora and two other women about the same age. They were buying some liquor, and that happened about a half an hour before the accident in Haverhill. There's an hour of Mora's drive that night that's unaccounted for. Could this explain the missing time? If she was with a friend, what does that friend know about where she went? I believe she told certain friends that she was going. And the only reason for them to stay silent all these years is to protect Mora. What is it that you think Mora was running from and needed protection from? I think Mora is alive. And I think she was running from the men in her life. I think Mora found out she was pregnant. Why do you think she was pregnant? The police think she was pregnant. They had searched her computer and found all these searches relating to the effects of drinking on a baby. And I think Bill was the father. And I think she wanted out of that relationship, and I think she never wanted Bill to have any custody over this kid. That's why I believe she's remained hidden to this day. And Renner suggests she wasn't only running from her boyfriend, but also the other man in her life, her own father. Why wouldn't she want anything to do with Fred? From what I gather, they were so close and they were best friends. Fred could be very strict. He conditioned those girls of his to be Star Trek runners, and they became Star Trek runners. Fred would run them every day, every day, like Christmas. Get out there and run, and you know, so I think she was always under pressure for one reason or another. That's a shadow over her life. Fred pushed, pushed the girls, you know. Growing up, we never wanted to disappoint my dad. We wanted to make him proud. Just that he was strict. You know, you watch these early interviews with him, and, you know, he addresses more through the camera and says, So please, kid, if, you, if you're listening to me, we can just bang away at this stuff the same as we do all the time until we fix it. Don't be afraid, please. He knows she has reason to, to leave. Before I wrote anything about this case, I reached out to Fred, and the answer I got back was, no, we don't want a book written about this case. What is it that you think Fred was hiding? Every family has their, has their issues. I feel I can't see too much about Fred Murray because I've never had the opportunity to sit down in a room with him. But Renner's theory on why Maura ran away goes even deeper than the alleged issues with her boyfriend or father. Maura got in trouble at West Point. She stole from Fort Knox. Maura Murray stole from the most secure facility in the United States. Art Roderick and I are with James Renner. He's building a case for why he thinks Maura may have deliberately disappeared. And she stole something petty. And it, it was a big deal, you know, because West Point, you know, they take honor code violations really seriously. When they found her guilty, they allowed her to withdraw from West Point and go to UMass. So that's, that's how she ends up at UMass. Why would Maura risk everything she worked so hard for? 
It's almost like she was asking to leave West Point. What were Mara's troubles at UMass? Go back a few months before Mara disappeared. This is November 2003. She got caught using stolen credit card numbers to order food. You know, we're talking about stealing pizza, for goodness sakes, but the UMass police did the sting operation where they followed the pizza guy into the university, and then Moore is the one that comes down and signs for it. And she goes in front of a judge, and the judge says, hey, if you can stay out of trouble for three months, we'll take this off your record. But that didn't happen. Just two months later, and only two days before Mara crashed and disappeared, she borrowed her dad's new Toyota to attend a party with her best friend, Kate. It was standing room only. Lots of people there. Guys, girls. After the party is when Mora then drove her father's car at about 3.30 in the morning, and that's when she got in an accident right next to the university. She was going to get cited for that accident. At the very least, failure to control or reckless op. That might have been enough for the judge to say, you couldn't stay out of trouble, so now you've got this on your permanent record. But Renner suspects Mora's plan to disappear had already been decided. And the party she attended before she wrecked her father's car is a clue. Tell me about that party. I think everything could have come out of that party. I think that party is very important to, to everything that happened. You talk to Kate, and she'll say, oh, geez, it's been so many years, I don't remember anybody at that party. It's really, you don't remember a single, just a first name? No, sorry. Why? You know, what happened at that party? Do you think that party actually happened, or is that a cover for something else? I think it could have been a going-away party. I'm pregnant. I gotta leave, guys. Here's how I think I'm gonna do it. Why would one of Mora's closest friends to help? Could she be hiding something? Fred was in town visiting Mara the weekend she crashed his car. What was his response to her nearly totaling his new vehicle? In the official statement to the police, he admits that he was pretty upset when he found out about his car. Could this have triggered something in Mara, who always tried so hard to please him? For a family without a lot of money, wrecking a brand new car could be a major blow. I think she's like, well, screw it. Let's try a new life. This is the last push that I needed. This is the final straw. If she's alive, like Runner suggests, where is she? Ten years ago, there were a number of interesting posts that were made on message boards. There was a post that was supposedly from somebody from back home who bumped into Mora on the streets up in Canada. And there were a couple of sightings of Mora around the Montreal area, around the Quebec City area. You know, I talked to Lance and Tim a couple years ago, and I'm like, should we go look? So we took a trip up to Canada, went to this record store, and there's this woman, and she said, I've definitely seen that woman here. She came in, she spoke with an American accent, very athletic, and I'm sure that was her, that was 100%. And at this one athletic club we went to, we showed her flyer, and the woman immediately, she's like, yeah, I know that's her. I've seen her. 
I think I've gotten close. You now have the, the means to go about this investigation in a way that nobody else has. You have resources and methods that can get you there, and I really think you could find her. You know, the one person she was really close with was Kathleen, one of her sisters. You know, their, their bond was, was really strong, and I think it would be worth your time to reach out to her. But I would say this, that when you do find Mora, I would ask that you not tell anybody where she's at, not even the police, because it's going to end up in their report, and all that becomes public record. And Fred Murray can read it, and Bill can read it, and then more is not hidden anymore. My mind is like crazy right now. Well, tell me what's right there, foremost. Just how not horrible of a person <laughs> James Renner was. After talking to James Renner, the other theories, suicide, a serial killer, suddenly seem less likely than the possibility that Mora just ran away. Maybe someone she knew was driving in tandem and helped her escape. With family pressure and a boyfriend like Bill, she may have had a motive. He makes a really convincing argument for a tandem driver. But there's a lot of information we have to corroborate. Maybe he's come to a conclusion and he's trying to fit everything into that conclusion. That's what I think. When I hear reports of sightings about Laura, based on my experience, people like to insert themselves into investigations and we gotta be really careful about that. What do you think the next thing we need to do is? I think we're gonna map out exactly who we wanna talk to. I think we really need to talk to Billy, especially because we can't have people saying all these things about him and not right. ask him about it. Hi, Bill. My name is Maggie. I am working on a documentary about Maura Murray. Give me a call back. Thanks so much. We have to talk to Kathleen, Maura's sister. They had a pretty close relationship. My name is Maggie. I'm a former UMass student and a journalist. So if you could call me back. Thanks so much. We have to talk to Kate. Some of College her friends from, from UMass. Hi, Kate. My name is Maggie. Please call me back. Thank you. Hi, is this Megan? Yes, it is. Finally, I'm connecting with someone. One of Mora's close friends. I met Mora my freshman year at West Point. Um, we were on the track team and the cross country team together. Do you remember if Mara had any troubles at West Point? Yes, there is, there's one incident that just has always stood out to me. We were in Fort Knox, and they let us go to the department store. And as we walked out of the store, um, the military police grabbed her. And like I could see kind of a look of desperation on her face. And it turns out she had stolen something like tiny. It was like a lipstick and a, a bottle of nail polish or something. 
And when she came back, I asked her, I was like, Mona, why did you do that? And she's like, I have no idea. I mean, I had the money to pay for it. Did that seem out of character for her? Yeah, it did. She seemed like such a good girl, a sweet girl, that, yeah, I was really surprised by that. What do you remember about finding out Mara was missing? There was just something inside me that just said, this could be this, you know, some crazy story where this girl I know just like up and left and decided to go, you know, create a new life for herself somewhere else. In February 2004, Maura Murray emptied her bank account, drove four hours from school, crashed her car, got out, and vanished. Everyone has a theory. Was she murdered? Was it a suicide? Did she run away? Join the search as an investigative reporter and former U.S. Marshal uncover new evidence, interrogate new witnesses, and trace down new leads in this riveting new investigative series. The Disappearance of Maura Murray, Saturdays at 7, 6 Central, and 9, 8 Central on Oxygen, the new network for crime. If Maura Murray decided to start a new life as a mother, her eldest sister and confidant, Kathleen, might know something about it. Here's why she could be key. Kathleen is Maura's oldest sister, on February 6th, 2004, three days before she goes missing. Maura's at work, and at 1 a.m., she gets a phone call. Maura was so upset by this phone call that she couldn't form words. Maura was a wreck to the point where her supervisor had to escort her back to her dorm. The only thing she said when asked what was wrong was my sister. What was said on the call that was so upsetting to Maura? Kathleen has never talked publicly about this last conversation. And some speculate that she's hiding something that was said during the call. We're not going to stop searching until we find Mara and bring her home. Hey, Kathleen, it's Maggie. I'm just trying to reach you again. Um, I'd love to get in touch and talk. Just give me a call back when you get this. Thanks. It's hard to verify stories and eliminate theories when those close to Mora won't open up. I don't want to just take James Renner's word, but I'm hitting a frustrating roadblock, especially with Kathleen and Bill. If people won't talk, maybe the evidence will tell us something. Art and I are at the police impound lot to take a look at the last known item Mora touched, her car. There it is right there. Mm -hmm. It's not looking good condition. No. So damaged over the years because we know it wasn't like this. I mean, yeah. the whole front bumper's falling apart. This thing's been moved so many times. It's a stop and shop card on the seat. Yeah. So look at the airbags. Yeah. Definitely deployed. UMass sticker over here. You can tell they dusted fingerprint powder all over. Yeah. It's creepy. There's just like empty food containers in right. it. Right. Just kind of eerie looking at it, huh? It's almost like it's like a tomb. Yeah. 
Just sad. Just sad. If Maura's plan was to run away, the contents in her car could give us some clues. Art and I now have the police inventory of those items. She has stuff just very typical of what a 21-year-old girl in college would have in her car. Diet Coke, Twizzlers, IDs. And she has her school stuff, you know, nursing books, spiral notebooks. Right, travel toothbrushes, multiple shampoos, deodorant, lots of workout gear, razors. Makeup. Yeah, I mean, when you look at this, this is a lot of stuff you would take if you were traveling somewhere. It looks like she was just going for a a trip or a weekend or something. If she wasn't planning on returning, it doesn't seem like Mora had enough in her car to last for a long time. James Renner claims that Mora's dorm room was boxed up, as if she were leaving for good. So if she made the effort to pack, why were those boxes left behind? That's not making sense to me. It was the start of the semester. Maybe instead of packing to leave, Mora hadn't yet unpacked her boxes. The thing that stands out to me is there's a pack of birth control in the car. It's interesting. Four pills missing. Finding birth control in her car isn't consistent with Renner's theory that she was pregnant. Maybe. Or a friend would know if she stopped taking her birth control. My friend's talking yeah, about that. Yeah, or maybe that's another question for Kathleen. Maybe Morris just would remember that. We've made at least 10 attempts to pin Kathleen down for an interview, with no success. But we've made contact with another relative, Helena Murray. Helena is Fred's cousin by marriage, and she runs the official Maura Murray Facebook page she might be able to advise us on how to break through. Hi, Helena, it's Maggie. Do you know where Kathleen is now? We're trying to line her up for an interview and she's kind of back and forth and the last word we got is she wasn't going to talk to us. Well, I I don't know how Kathleen's doing at this point now. I did for a while, but in in front, Kathleen doesn't talk about it. Kathleen has some problems. You know, she can be a talkative or she can clam up like a clam. We think it's an important interview. You know, we have that phone call that supposedly came from Kathleen, you know, a day or two before Maura went missing. Was was that supposedly an emotional call? But Kathleen would get very drunk, very quickly. And... It depends on how much she remembers about the conversation. She may not remember. Thanks, Elena. Thank you so much. All right, take care. All righty, bye-bye. Bye. It's interesting she finally shed some light on Kathleen. You know, Fred really didn't talk about her that much in his interview, nor did Julie. She's like a black uh, cloud over the family. Kind of the black kind sheep of, of the yeah. family, yeah. And if she's got drug or alcohol issues, uh, maybe that's why they don't talk about her that much. More family secrets. 
If there was a mountain of problems piling up in Mora's life, wouldn't it be natural for her to confide in the one person who might not judge her? The supposed black sheep of the family? Did Kathleen know she was going north? What was she doing? Where was she going? Why was she going there? Is she withholding that? Hi, Art Rotter. Art and I of Morris at UMass, Erin O'Neill. How are you? Good, how are if you? Mora was pregnant or determined to start a new life, Erin might know something about it. So you're at, you work at Cape Cod Hospital? I do, yeah. I've been there the past couple of years. And you majored in nursing at UMass? That is how I met Mora, yeah. We used to um, carpool together to clinicals. So there's a lot of speculation that Mora might have been pregnant when she left. The police think she was pregnant. They had searched her computer and found all these searches relating to the effects of drinking on a baby. They've made the assumption that because she was Googling these terms on her computer that she was pregnant. Mm, but it was probably because we were in maternity class. Interesting. We had a maternity assignment. So what we had done as our clinical instructor had advised us to do was to look up clinical terms and then email them to each other. And that's why she was Googling those terms and sharing right. them Right, we were all Googling maternity terms and then emailing each other. This is critical information. If Maura was doing searches on her computer to study maternity care as a nurse, then maybe she wasn't pregnant at all. This information pokes a serious hole in James Renner's theory on what motivated Maura to disappear. Would she still need to run away from what Renner says were the controlling men in her life, especially her boyfriend? Does anything stick out to you now from that time? No. She always seemed okay. You know, she never seemed like she wanted to run away. And right before she had left, she had done her homework assignment. Like, it was like the night before that she had sent it. Mora emailed her homework at 3.32 a.m. on February 9th, the very morning she disappeared. If it were me and I, if I was done with nursing school, I wouldn't do my homework assignments. That would be the last thing I would waste my time doing. So it seemed like she maybe just needed a break and intended on coming back. Mora had called me and told me that she had to go home for a family emergency and she wanted to come return the clothes that she had borrowed, and I told her that she didn't have to, that it wasn't a big deal. I asked her if everything was okay, and it sounded like she was crying. And she mentioned something about her sister, but she just only said my sister and then didn't really divulge any further. Just a family, family emergency. With her, something to do with her sister. And then I ended up watching TV and I fell asleep. And there was a knock on my door, but I didn't think anything of it. I wasn't expecting company and fell back asleep. And when I woke up and opened the door, my clothes were in a little baggie in front of my dorm room. So she had come back and returned them. That was the afternoon she left for New Hampshire. Yeah. It was February 9th, 2004, just four and a half hours before Maura Murray vanished. Wow, so if you had answered the door, you would have seen Mara. Yeah. If I had gotten out of bed, 
I felt guilty about that for a long time. You know, like maybe things would have turned out different. The thought that maybe things could have turned out differently isn't the only chilling detail Erin shared. She's also the second witness to report that Maura was distraught about her sister just days before she disappeared. And there's only one person who can answer what that might have been about. Hey, Art. Hey, Maggie. How you doing? Finally locked down an interview with Kathleen. Really? Kathleen hasn't given an interview to anybody for over 10 years. If we could figure out what happened during that phone call, that'll answer a lot of questions for us. There's this uh, former Secret Service agent, Evie Pomparis, who's pretty well known in law enforcement circles, and she specializes in, in interviews, interrogations, polygraphs. I think it would be interesting to bring her in um, to get her perspective on how we can help Kathleen remember exactly what that phone call was about. Hi. Hi. Evie? Evie Pomparis, nice to meet you. Art Roderick, good to meet you. Hi, Maggie, nice to meet you. Hi, Maggie, Evie, pleasure to meet you. Likewise. Evie Pomporis has over a decade of experience conducting highly sensitive interviews. Whether Kathleen is struggling to remember or intentionally hiding something, Evie is trained to help draw out what we need. I'll show you what we have set up. There'll be cameras over there. We'll be sitting back here monitoring what's going on on these three cameras. I'll be interviewing Kathleen in the room next door. We can pick up the nuances and the behaviors that we see through through these shots. These are great. I got these little earpieces so you can communicate with me during the interview. And you think her sister's the key to this? Do we think she had anything to do with Maura's disappearance? The actual disappearance part? No, but... She might know she might why know Maura why was going up there. Maura came up here, right. Right, so we want to know why is she withholding this, really? Right. I'll say this, everybody lies. Everybody lies, even innocent people lie. And sometimes they just lie because they think it's gonna make them look bad. You can lie verbally, but the body is threatened by that because if you get caught in a lie, you get stressed out. So we wanna see how is the body leaking that information? We call it the, the body bleeds information. If you notice that, that you think maybe she isn't lying, maybe you can help me get her to remember. A big component of being able to elicit information is to be able to read the person. When we do see you ask questions that maybe that person doesn't like, kind of steering you forward and helping you push them a little, nudge them, so to speak. It's been really hard to get her, so this is, it's gonna be big. Go in and do your thing. Time to uncover some of these alleged family secrets. Hi, Kathleen. Hello. <laughs> how are you? Good, how are you? I'm about to interview the one person who can possibly explain what distressed Maura Murray to help us understand why she left. The information Maura's sister Kathleen might be holding could crack this case, if she'll tell me. Tell me a little bit about growing up, like what Maura was like, what your family was like. Growing up was awesome. 
you know, my father would get us on the weekends and we'd go to hike, you know, that's what we love to do. Camping's the best. It was just perfect, you know? Those were the good days, yeah. real good days. Yep, and they were. Mara, she'd always have to be the trailblazer. Always in front, and you want to be around her. She's always happy, and it's very rare that you'd see her sad. Very rare. Everything's so happy, yeah. cheery. I want to ask you about the last time you were with Mara. She was home winter break. Okay. Did you see her freeze? Mm -hmm. She looks to the right mm -hmm. every time she's trying to remember something. I saw that. Can you tell me about what you guys did? Yeah, I can. <laughs> Good job, Maggie. She didn't like that question. We had a nice sit-down dinner, you know, just everyone together laughing, just, you know, having fun, and uh, it was perfect. Everything was beautiful, everything was great. This isn't at all reality. This mm. is like I just took it out of a Disney movie. She's also very rigid. She doesn't move a lot with her body. I know, you know, I noticed that. Very few movements. It's because sometimes when it's uh, rehearsed, when you're just trying to remember what you're supposed to say, you don't move. I lay awake nights, just your mind goes and goes, and um, just not having the answers is what's killing us. And my dad, he needs some closure, as the rest of us do. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, I, okay, I'm tearing up. <laughs> hey, there's, there's tissues if you need them. I knew it was going to happen. That's okay. <laughs> That's definitely okay. Did she tell you about the theft at West Point? She didn't talk about it. I didn't want to believe it. Mm. Everyone wanted it to be hush-hush because it's such a prestigious school. Why not make it seem like she wanted to pursue nursing? But I think in, in a way she did. I think West Point was too tough for her. I think so. How'd your dad feel about it? If it was talked about, it wasn't around me. Mm. It was like a, a shame, mm -hmm. I guess. Does anything seem like, okay, maybe that was something, maybe that one weird thing she said? I can't think of anything. She'd always come to me. That's why this is such a, a mystery. I, I keep thinking it was because of her crashing my father's car. I thought maybe that, that's what triggered something. Kathleen's referring to Maura crashing Fred's car into a guardrail just two nights before she vanished. On the night James Renner alleges there was a going away party. That's the only thing I can think of that upset her, because my father said she was crying. Of course, she, she felt bad. And I just, I don't know, and it's killing me. I just can't. Unless it was something to do with the boyfriend. 
I don't know. Did she talk to you about Bill? Yeah, that was a rocky relationship, that one. Yeah. She got hurt by him emotionally. I sincerely think that she had love for him, but no trust. We'd go to a restaurant, and I'm looking at her, and she's sitting there just with this face. Like, she, she couldn't stand it because he's sitting there flirting. And flirting with who? Waitresses, mm. anybody. I didn't, he was like that, a flirt. She's definitely opening up a lot more now. Yeah. That phone call, before Mara went missing, she mentioned my sister, and Mara got really upset. There's speculation that the phone call could lead to why she went to New Hampshire. What do you think would have been bothering her? Why would she say my sister? I feel like she's starting to spill some information. Let's let her go. After the phone call, Maura got really upset. It just seemed like an everyday phone call. She was crying on that phone call with you? No. No. But I was told after. What was going on in your life then? Because maybe something you didn't realize upset her might have upset her. I just, I wasn't happy. Yeah. Not happy. And you told Maura you weren't happy? Yeah. My ex, we didn't get along when we both drank. I was self-medicating, but it was making it worse. Yeah. I even went to go get help, because there's a lot of alcoholics in my family. Help from where? Um, a rehab. Mm. So my ex-husband, he comes to pick me up. Fresh out of a rehab, and the first place he pulls in is to a liquor store. I said, what are you doing? Are you really that selfish? That was in 2004? Yeah. It was right before, like real close mm. before she went missing. When you got out of rehab, did you start drinking again? Yeah. Did you tell more of that? Yeah, she you know. other substances, too. She's got both her legs, Kathleen, her yeah. ankles crossed, and her arms. It's the only barrier she has. This is a tough subject for her to talk about. I know it is. You can tell it in her face. You know, if my sister was telling me those things, I'd be really upset. I'd be worried about my sister. She loved you. She wanted you to be happy. That's what I think happened. Maura would be upset. There's no doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, that would, that would upset any family member. Right. Now I understand why Kathleen never talked about the phone call. And I understand why Maura was crying. It wasn't about her father or her boyfriend. It was concern for her sister. But why would she take a week off from school and drive north in the opposite direction from where her sister lived? She never mentioned to you anything about pregnancy? No. What would your reaction have been if she was pregnant? My reaction? We'll get through this. Don't worry about it, you know? So you don't think that would make her run away? You think she would have had support from you at least? Oh, of course, yeah. I thought we were really close, but everyone's got their secrets. And I... <laughs> Just... We love her so much, <laughs> you know? <laughs>
Yep. She didn't deserve any harm. <laughs> it now seems that the theory that Mora left because she was pregnant and highly emotional over a phone call just isn't adding up. What do you think could have happened? Just to pack up and go, there was something up and she wasn't telling no one. Are you telling me everything you know about that phone call? For more on this case, visit Oxygen.com. On February 9th, 2004, Maura Murray nearly emptied her bank account, drove four hours from school, crashed her car, got out, and disappeared. Everyone has a theory. Some people think she was murdered. Some people think she committed suicide. Others think she ran away. What do you think? And there's a new search. As an investigative reporter, a former U.S. Marshal, two wildly popular podcasters uncover the evidence, interrogate witnesses, and track down new leads in this riveting new investigative series. The Disappearance of Moore Murray. Saturdays at 7, 6 central and 9, 8 central on Oxygen. The new network for crime.